Father, we thank you. We ask and we say there is illumination. The eyes of our understanding is enlightening. Every heart can be you as we see ourselves in you. There is clarity, there is light, there is precision. And we say every heart can be you as we see ourselves in you. And we say your name alone is glorified as we are edified. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Alright, 2 Timothy 3 verse 15. Let's go back there. 2 Timothy 3.15 from a child that was known. Let's go there. That was known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ. That word known is from the word idol. It means you have accustomed or acquainted yourself with what is written in the scriptures. And it says as from a child, you've been able to know, you've known the Holy Scriptures which is able to make you wise unto salvation, true faith which is in Christ. And as from a child, as from a child, um, you've what? Breakfast. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. An instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In 1 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, as a preacher of the gospel, I beg you, you can't be lazy in your study of the scriptures. You can't have a flippant way you approach the scriptures. You can't have... Because if... You know, Paul said in 1 Timothy 4 verse 16, let's go there. 1 Timothy 4 verse 16. 1 Timothy 4 verse 16. Are you there? Yes, sir. What did he say? Take it unto thyself. Take it unto thyself. And unto the doctrine. Continuing them. So you have to continue in it because you will save those that hear you. You will save yourself first. So imagine now your mind is clear. Do you know that you can successfully help a disciple who is thinking the reason why I'm in the hospital today now is because God does not want me to be well. Are you getting what I'm saying? You can help somebody out and correctly correct them that the character of God is such that a man has to know what the scripture is about. Does that make sense? You have to be accustomed and acquainted with the scriptures. So you can't you can't have a you, you can't be lazy. You have to be meticulous with the scriptures. You have to be detailed with the scriptures. You have to take Bible study very seriously. Are you getting me? You have to. You have to take Bible study very seriously. So, and I told you, I said it is important for us to have the right mindset about the character of God. Now, let's study something. How did God reveal himself? 
that's a big question. I want to study that. How did God reveal himself? Because for us to say, if we have been saying the character of God, the character of God, then let's see, how did he reveal himself in the scriptures? Let's see, the writers of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews gave us a lead. Let's look at Hebrews 1. The writer of Hebrews gave us a lead. How did God reveal himself in the scriptures? Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 2. God, who has sundry times and in diverse manners, spake to in thine past unto the fathers by the prophets, as in these last days spoken, as in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So observe carefully in verse 1. It says, God who had sundry times. That phrase in sundry times is translated from the Greek word polymeros. Polymeros. I think I've explained this somewhere before. Polymeros. It implies many parts or portions of a whole. Many parts or portions of a whole. It says, God, who at sundry times, we are taking that word in sundry times. It's from the word polymerous, P-O-L-Y-M-E-R-O-S, P-O-L-Y-M-E-R-O-S, polymerous. It implies many parts or portions of a whole, many parts or portions of a whole. The phrase in diverse manners was translated from the Greek word, Polytropos. You know, it says, God who had in sodden times and in diverse manners. Diverse manners is polytropos. Polymeros and polytropos. Polytropos. P-O-L-Y-P-R-O-P-O-S. Polytropos. It implies in many ways. It implies in many ways. So, in sundry times and in diverse madness has to do with the prophets. Now, when I'm saying prophets, now I'm meaning prophets in where? The Old Testament, right? In the scriptures. So, we can safely say, polymerous implies what they said could never have, in, could never have been total. Polytropos could imply that what they said is also imperfect. Polymerous, now let me explain it again. Polymerous, what did I say polymerous means? In surgery types, right? So, polymerous can imply that what they said could never have been total. That is, they did not say everything. And polytropos implies that what they said is, was also not perfect. So, observe the word in. It says, at in these last days. In. This last days is the word in is translated from the Greek word epi epi high epi high. It is a word used for conceiving a child. Epi it is a word used for conceiving a child. So when it says as in these last days spoken in the sun, observe the pattern of verse one and how it flows. Look at how it flows from verse 1 to verse 2. I will read it again. God was a surgery times and in diverse manners 
spoke unto the prophet in the, uh, by the prophet spoke unto the father sorry by the prophet and said this last day spoken unto us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things spoken in the prophets and i say spoken in the prophet in many parts of a whole in many ways spoken in his son that is the brightness of his glory the express image of his person In verse 3, who is the brightness of his glory, who is being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. So when you put together all that the prophet has said in many portions, Habakkuk, uh, Malachi, um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, when you put together all that the prophet has said in many portions and in many ways, you will have the substance of what they are saying. So, the all the announcements the speaking about the speaking is about the son i want to read from you the amplified version i, I brought my amplified bible here i want to read for you the amplified bible where where it says in in this hebrews one what what it says hebrews one it says god having spoken to the fathers long ago in the voices and writings of the prophets in many separate revelation each of which set forth in a portion of the truth in many ways as in this last day spoken with finality to us in the person of one who is by his character and nature his son namely jesus whom he had appointed here and lawful owner of all things whom he created whom he created the universe that the universe has a space and the matter of continuity invested says the sun is the radiance and the only expression of the glory of god and the exact representation and perfect imprint of the essence and the upholding and maintaining and propelling <laughs> all things by the powerful word. Ah, Amplified Version can talk. <laughs> so, when he says, who, in the King James now, invested, he say, who being the brightness, that word who had to do with the prophet who spoke in many portions of the truth. The prophet who spoke in many portions of the truth. So, they spoke in many portions of the truth in different ways unto the Father. However, God in speaking spoke in the Son. So now God spoke in His Son, Christ Jesus. God spoke in his son, Christ Jesus. So, it was, so the truth revealed was in progressive revelation. The truth revealed in the scriptures was in progressive revelation. It was the prophet who spoke in different portions of the truth and in different manners unto the father. Hence, the complete and perfect revelation of the Father is seen in the Son. 
the complete and perfect revelation of the Father is seen in the Son. The complete and perfect revelation of the Father is seen in the Son. Who is the Son? Christ Jesus. So when he says, and the express image of his person, that word person there, I remember Tony used to call us a Tony person when she was younger. <laughs> Tony, instead of Tony Benzi, she said Tony person. The, the word person in Vodugo is hypothesis. Hypothesis. H-U-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-S. H-U-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-S. It implies that which make the existence of another real. That which makes the existence of another real. So when it says, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. So it implies that which makes the existence of another real. So the writer used it two times in the same epistle. It used it two times. Look at in Hebrews 3 verse 14. He says, Hebrews 3 verse 14, he says, For we are made partakers of Christ if we behold if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. He says we are made partakers of Christ. Look at Hebrews 11, 1, Hebrews 11 verse 1. He used it also in Hebrews 11 verse 1. He says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Other references of how it was used, we'll find that in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 4. I will just give you that to hold. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 4. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 17. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 4. 2 Corinthians 11 verse 17. From those texts, it implies assurance. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 4 and 17. 11 17. Assurance or confidence. Assurance or confidence. So, writer of Hebrew use it to depict an assurance or reality. So, in essence, the writer used the word hypothesis in reference to the fact that the person of Jesus is the assurance that which gives reality to the revelation of the person and the character of God. Now say it again. The writer of Hebrews used it to depict that an assurance or reality, there's an assurance or there's a reality. In essence, hypothesis, what I say hypothesis is, it means to make the existence of another real, right? And I was explaining it as a person, right? Now, it's in reference to the fact the person of Jesus is the assurance that which it gives the reality to the revelation of the person and the character of God. So that is, let me tell you what it means. Jesus is the substance of God that has not been seen. Jesus is the substance of God that has not been seen. Therefore, seeing or knowing him is equivalent to seeing or knowing God. When you have seen Jesus Christ, you have what? You have seen God. So when you say faith is the substance of things hoped for, 
and the evidence of things not seen. I think you get it now. Because the writers of Hebrew, like I told you, used it to depict an assurance or a reality. And I'm explaining that hypothesis is in reference to the fact that Jesus is the assurance. That which gives reality. That is, Jesus is the reality to the revelation of a person and the character of God. So for us to fully understand the character of God, we will study who? With character of Jesus. Because Jesus is the substance of God. He is the reality of God. Are you seeing it? He is the substance of God. He is the reality of God. He is the revelation of God. He is the, like, like how the Amplified Version put it, he is the perfect imprint of God. So to know the Father, we look at the Son, the perfect view of God that we have in the Son. So for us to approach this study that we are just starting on the character of God, we approach who? Just Jesus. We have to see him in the Son. We see him in Christ. That is why, look at the Colossians 1 verse 19. Colossians 1 verse 19. It says, Colossians 1 verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. When it says in him now, <laughs> it's, talking to, it's talking about Jesus. And that word fullness is from the Greek word pleroma. P-L-E-R-O-M-E. Pleroma. It was used again in Colossians 2 verse 8. Look at the Colossians. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, vain disease, after the tradition of men, after the rudiment of this word, and not after Christ, in verse 9, look at what it says in verse 9. It says, For in him dwelleth the fullness, the pleroma, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The pleroma, the fullness. So, it is in him that the fullness of the Godwell is. When you say God dead, right? We're talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? It is in him that the fullness of him is dwelling. Are you seeing it? So, now let's read the context. Look at it in verse 13 of that same place. Verse 13 to 18 of that same place. Or that's a Colossians 1. Verse 13 And you being dead in trespasses and sin. Ah, we read this too. You know we read it. I think it was in section 1 or section 2. Where we read it and I said, I was just angry because... <laughs> Of the message, I, the message that the preacher preached that time. Look at the verse 30. It says, And you being dead in your sins and the circumcision of your flesh, and at it quickened together with him, having blotted, having forgiven you of all trespasses, blotting out the hard writings of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nearly leads to the cross. Verse 15, having spoiled principalities and powers, and he made sure of them openly, triumphing over them. He now says, 
Triumphing over them in it. Let no man judge in respect. Let no man judge in meat or in drink or in respect to an holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath day, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward, involuntary humility and worshipping of angels. We're going to study this. Intruding into those things which he had not seen, vainly puffed up by his flesh in mind. Notice verse 13 and 14. And you are did be dead in sins and in uncircumcision of your flesh, as he quickened together with him, having forgiven of all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and taking and he took it out of the way, leaning it to the cross. Verse 13 and 14 shows us the object of the discussion. And that's the object of the discussion is Christ Jesus. That is into the kingdom of his dear son and all of those things. In verse 15, he, he made us to understand that he's, he has blotted out the, the handwriting of the ordinances of the enemy. No, I'm reading the wrong text. I'm supposed to be reading 1, not, that, not 2. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm reading the wrong text. It should be Colossians 1, 13 to 18, not Colossians 2. I'm just... Ah, I was wondering, this was not in my notes. <laughs> was, ah, because if it was in my note, I would have told you that section. I told you, I, we still study it in this series. Ah, I was just looking at this text again and it text. Like, ah, what's going on? So sorry. Now look at Colossians 1, verse 13. It says, you had... Who had delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins? Who is the image of his who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creation? For by him we are all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17. And is before all things, and by him all things consist. Are you seeing Christ now? He says, and he is the head of the body, and he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning of who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in all things he might have preeminence. So now in verse 13 and 14, we see that. The context of it is Christ Jesus into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have. In verse 15, it says, is the image. The image is from the word ikon, ekron, ikon, e-i-k-o-n, e-i-k-o-n. It implies likeness, a representation, likeness, a representation. So in other words, Paul explained that Jesus is the physical representation of the visible God. So when he says image there, image implies what? Likeness, right? Representation. It's like saying, you know, in today's world now, we have Zoom. You know, you may not be somewhere physically, but you are there. You are there online. You are on the idea watching online. You know, that is your representation <laughs> physically. You know? So, Jesus <laughs> is our physical representation of God. 
Jesus came to represent God to us. He is the physical representation of the invisible God. That is, from the incarnation, God could now be seen physically. So, that is why in John 1 verse 18, he says, look at in John 1 verse 18. Are you there? I'll wait for you. John 1 verse 18. You should be there. It says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, declared Him. So, let's go back to our Colossians 1 now. When it says, let's go back to our Colossians 1. It says, Who is in the image of the invisible God? Colossians 1 verse 15. Who is in the image of the invisible God? The word invisible is translated from the Greek word A-O-R-A-T-O-S Erothos 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 That's the right word. It's from the word is from the the word invisible, and it's the same word Paul used in Romans 1, verse 20, where he says, For the invisible things of him, Romans 1 20, the things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Paul used that same word, the invisible things, in Romans 1, verse 20. In other words, God can now be visibly seen in the manifestation of Christ. Hallelujah. So, God now, via the coming of Jesus, Via the incarnation, we can safely say that's God. He is the remember what we say is image is. We said image is what? The likeness, right? A representation, right? So can we safely say Jesus is the representation of God? So Jesus is God body. Hallelujah. The perfect imprint of the Father. So in verse 16 to 17, when, when Paul was writing this Colossians 1 verse, he said Paul spoke about, and he was speaking about his deity. And he says, all things were created, and in him all things consist, and all of those things. And in verse 18, he says, he is the firstborn from the dead. And that refers to the resurrection. When he says he is the firstborn from the dead, that's referring to his resurrection. It's a statement that means that in all things, he might have preeminence. When he says that in all things, he might have preeminence, that's referring to his humanity. So now in verse 19, he now says, He pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness, you know that's where we started from, all the fullness. That's why we started from before we made the mistake. Before I made the mistake, not not you now. Before I made the mistake of of that of reading that chapter two to you guys. I wanted, all I wanted to read in chapter two was just to reference <laughs> verse nine, where it says, "For him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily." Then I was carried away, and 
<laughs> and I started reading down. So it should have been Colossians 1, I should have been reading. So in verse 19, in Colossians 1, verse 19, now not 2 now, <laughs> for he pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. So when he says all the fullness, I say it's pleroma. So that way, all the fullness in context implies that there is nothing else to see or know about the Father. Or, that is, there is anything that is not in Christ is not in God. Because, let me explain what it means. It says, for he pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. That word fullness is from the Greek word pleroma. It means that all the, all the fullness in context means there is nothing else to see or know about the Father that is not in Christ. So everything you want to know about God, everything you want to know about the Father is seen where? In Christ. So for you to have a perfect understanding of the character of God, you have to have a perfect clarity on the character of Christ. Thank God for a series we be we embarked on on the incarnation. It's going to buttress a lot of things for you. This is going to tie some dots there. So anything that is not in Christ is not in God. So did Christ kill anybody? Are you seeing it? Did Christ give anybody sickness? So can we say, if Christ did not give anybody sickness, God did not give anybody sickness. Does it make sense? He said, the Son of Man has come not to destroy lives, but to save lives. So can we safely say, that is God's character? Can we say that? Now, because he is the fullness of God. The fullness of God. The fullness. Paul used that word pleroma again in verse 8 and 9. Colossians 2 verse 8 and 9. What I was reading last time. When he says, in him, look at it verse 9. When he says, in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That word Godhead is from the Greek word theothes. T-H-E-O-T-E-S. Theothes. T-H-E-O-T-E-S. E-O-T-E-S, Theothes. It refers to deity. It refers to deity. The word dwelleth is from the Greek word katatio kato ikio. Kato ikio, yeah. K-A-T-O E-K-I-O. I need to work on now, this is my fault right now. I need to really work on my pronunciations of Greek word. I'm still learning them, but I need to really do better. Kato ikio. It refers to permanence. That's what dwelleth now. It refers to permanence. Permanent. So, in essence, in him, when I say in him now, it will mean who? In Christ, right? In Christ, dwelleth the Godhead permanently. See it now. Everybody look at the Bible. Look at it, Colossians 2 verse 9. 
For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead word. Bodily. So when we say dwelleth, I told you it means permanent. So we can simply say, in Christ dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead way permanently. And don't forget, he used the word bodily. The word bodily is from the Greek word somaticos. 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 S soma S O M S S O M A T I K O S S O M A T I K O S Somaticos S O M A T I K O S This non pneumaticos this somaticos is not the word now bodily is translated that's that's the word and it implies to embody something you know when they say embody something that is that which bring things together. I can say, you know, mm, what's what's the best way to say it now? You know, like I say, Magnus. eh? Magnus. No, Magnus is not the best word. You know, when you when you go to Burlington and you test the clothes, your friend can say, ah, you embody this clothes well. The, the, with your curves and your all of those things. You know, I, I used to see those comments on on Instagram when women are putting fire and doing, ooh, step on our necks. You embodied the clothes. Well, you embodied, so things like that. So now Jesus embodied a package. Jesus Jesus packaged the father well. <laughs> That's Ayomide 2022. <laughs> so that is a corporate unit. It, 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 it represents all branches. Whoa. In Colossians 1 verse 15, let's look at what Paul said in Colossians 1 verse 15. He says, who is in the image of who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creation, or the firstborn of every creation? So now, what? What was Paul really discussing in context? Now, look at something. What, what was Paul discussing in context in that place? Look at something. He says. In look at in verse two. I think I'm missing something. Give me a second. Okay. So go back to that um, Colossians 1 verse. Go back to that Colossians 1 verse 15. It says, Who is Paul was Paul explained what we know as the invisible God in the visible Christ. So what was Paul doing with us in verse 15? 
he was explaining that that invisible God has become visible in Christ. So when he says, that's why he says, in him, look at, look at the strain of how he started. In verse 40, he says, in him we have redemption. Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Who is in the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature. So, in context, Paul was discussing, look at in verse 2, he says, To the saint and faithful brethren in Christ, which I call this, peace be unto you, from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the word he used. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3 says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is to make you understand that look at chapter 2. Look at chapter 2 verse 2. Mm, you will get it well. Chapter 2 verse 2. It says that their hearts may be comforted, being knit together in love, that unto all riches and the under assurance of the understanding and to the acknowledgement of the mysteries of God and the Father of Christ. Verse 3. In whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, Paul in context was discussing knowledge here. So, Paul's statement in verse 9. Look at Colossians 2 verse 9. Remember, we are trying to study this in him, dwelleth the fullness. Paul's statement in verse 9 For in him dwelleth the fullness of the God ever bodily refers to a revelation. It is a revelation. Now, we'll come again so that it will be clear to you because I think I've, I've made some mishaps in certain places. Now, in. If you read in Colossians 1, verse 13 to 18, I explained to you, I said, the word image is translated from the word ikion. It implies likeness, right? A representation. And I said it was used in Colossians 1, verse 20, where it says, the, um, no, that's, that's not it. It is, it is, um, it is uh, verse Verse 15, where it says, Who is in the image of the invisible? So he made Ikeon likeness and representation. When it says invisible, there, invisible is for the Greek word A O R A T O S, and it was used in Romans 1, verse 20. And now, we are now back in Colossians 2, verse 9, where it says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the bodily. Now, and I explained to you, I said, that word in fullness there is in context and nothing else to see or know about the Father. That is, anything that is not in Christ is not in God. I don't know if you get God that. So, and I said, the word God dead is from the Greek word theotis and it refers to deity. The word dwelleth is translated from the Greek word katiotis and katotikio. And it refers to permanence. And I says, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead permanently. So the word bodily, and I said it's from the word somaticos, it implies to embody something, to embrace something. So 
and I explained that what Paul was explaining in that Colossians 1 verse 15, not 2 now. Colossians 1 verse 15 where it says, Who is in the image of the invisible Christ? And I said that that invisible God is now visible in Christ. Are you getting me? That invisible God now has now become visible in Christ. So, in Colossians 2 verse 9, when it says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the body bodily. I was explaining to you, and I read Colossians 2 verse 2 and 3, where it says, He knew my whole the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I say, so Paul was clearly discussing in context that, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, refers to revelation. So Christ Jesus embodies the fullness of God to us. So God does not talk to you outside this person. That is, the full supply of revelation, the full supply of wisdom and understanding of the character of God is in the person of Christ Jesus. That's where I'll be trying to go. For us to understand this series, the full supply of the wisdom, the full supply of the revelation, and the understanding of the character of God is in the person, Christ Jesus. So therefore, so therefore, <laughs> the Son brings clarity to our mind about God. Who is the Son now? Christ Jesus, right? He brings clarity to our mind about God. So you and I need not to have any doubts about the personality of God because he is the revelation of the Father to us. Christ is the revelation of the Father to us. Remember we said, what is not found in Christ cannot be found in God, right? And we said in verse, Colossians 2 verse 9, for in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So, the revelation of God or the revelation of Christ brings clarity to our minds. And Christ is the revelation of the Father to man. Christ is the revelation of the Father to man. Christ is the revelation of the Father to man. So look at John 1 verse 18. We were dead the other time. John 1 verse 18. You should be there. It says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he had declared him. So the phrase, no man, is from the Greek word, eudis. A-O-U-D-E-I-S. No man. It implies no one. Nobody. Not even one. In other words, until Jesus, nobody at any time has seen God. Now, hold this in context. In the future, we will study it again. Are you getting me? In the future, hold this down for the sake of this teaching. In the future, we will revisit this text. And we'll look at it clearly. But now, still look at it with one, one high hope, one eye closed. 
So that when I come back in the video, you know, say, Pastor, you said. That's what I'm giving you because of some people that will say, Pastor, you said that no man has seen God at any time. So we use one eyes to close one eyes, open one for the sake of this teaching. In the future, we'll revisit it. So no man, nobody, not even one, has seen Jesus or seen God at any time. In other words, until Jesus, nobody has seen God. The first in the bosom of the Father was used in Luke 16, verse 22 to 25. Luke 16, verse 22 to 25. Abraham and Lazarus' story. Or just, we will not read it because of our time. And um, Abraham and Lazarus' story. And uh, let's read it. Luke 16. <laughs> let's read it. Let's read it. Luke 16, verse 22 to 25. Luke 16, verse 22 to 25. Luke 16, verse 22 to 25. You people are looking tired. I should be the one tired, not you. I don't know. You, your job is just to be sitting and listening and writing. <laughs> I've been the one talking since for the past six sessions. You should... <laughs> we are looking like you are dejected, forgotten, and forsaken. <laughs> Luke 16, verse 22 to 25. Look at it. It says, it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. You see that word there again. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. He said, Abraham, afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And said, Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am tormented in this flame. <laughs> and Abraham says, Son, remembers that thou in thy lifetime received the good things, and Lazarus and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted that thou art tormented. So observe something in that in that text that Lazarus was said to be in the bosom of Abraham. Yet in the later, yet the later was the one that he did all the talking with the rich man but it was in the bosom of abraham and the rich man mentioned lazarus and it was for abraham to send lazarus to do what he requested so in the bosom of implies that they were together abraham and lazarus were in the same place so it was not as if it was from a distance my tongues just dip your hand let it let the drop come down no the way in the same place when he said so when he say so it was like say the way in the same bosom look at it there in verse 22 it says and it came to pass that the beggar died who is the beggar lazarus and was carried by the angel into abraham's bosom and the rich man died and he was buried there you are you seeing it and he lay he lifted up his eyes seeing the torment in abraham and seeing abraham afar off and lazarus in his bosom are you seeing the context that they were in the same place so in the bosom of implies that abraham and lazarus they are together it means to see somebody through another so when he says in the bosom of it means to see someone through another so let's go back to our john 1 verse 18. let's go back to our john 1 verse 18. People are looking too weak for my liking. I think I have to release you people now. Is it too weak? 
I say, let me look weaker. The more weaker you will look, is the more I will keep teaching. <laughs> the, the weaker you look, is the more I keep teaching. John 1 verse 18. <laughs> no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of his Father, he had declared him. So, in verse 17, it says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So that phrase, no man, it means no man, nobody, not even one. Moses, all the prophets, Elijah, all of those things. Now, like I said, hold it here. So that in the future, when I come and explain this text properly, I'm not explaining this properly yet. You will not say, but you said. Remember, I've given you a clause. I even did that in when I when I touched this scripture in business of Christianity, I gave you that same clause again. Hold this text somewhere so that in future. <laughs> now, so the perfect revelation of the Father is in the Son. People, you're trying to look weaker so that I will let you go. <laughs> because of you, I will continue teaching. The perfect revelation of the Father is in the Son. So the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, has declared him. That is, that means to know the Father, you listen to the Son. To know the Father, you have to listen to the Son. So one thing you must understand in God's character is that you must understand that God's character is to know the Father. And how do you know the Father? You know the Son. Look at John 14, verse 6 to 10. John 14, verse 6 to 10. John 14, verse 6 to 10. And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Are you seeing Jesus' statement? He says, If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye have known him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father. And he sufficed us. And Jesus said, Ah, <coughs> sorry. Mm. And Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you that thou hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how seest thou then? Show us the Father. So, if you have seen it, look at the word in in verse 10. Believe thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me. And that is the words that I speak unto you. I speak all not of myself, but the Father dwelleth in me, and he doeth the work. So he says, He that has seen me has seen the Father. So the Father is revealed in the Son. The Father is revealed in where? The Son. The Father is revealed in the Son. The Father is revealed in the Son. So, once you have known the Father, you have known the Son. So, for you to have a perfect understanding, remember Colossians 2 verse 9. It says, In him dwelleth the fullness of the God dead way, bodily. So, for you to have a perfect understanding of the character of God, you must have a perfect understanding of who Christ is. And you know the truth of the matter is this. 
a lot of preachers, they know who Christ is. They know. They've read the New Testament. They've read the Synoptic Gospel. The four account, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They've read it. But they just chose not to believe it. They chose just to, they just chose to be very, um, very, um, very insincere. Just choose to not be honest. They just, they're just very dishonest with the scriptures. Because once you can see Christ fully, did God kill anybody? Did Jesus kill anybody? Hard thing, verse 38. How Jesus went about. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Who went about doing good. So we can safely say, the Father is always doing what? It's that simple. Who went about doing good, healing those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was what with him. So, you must have a perfect understanding of who Christ is. The perfect understanding of who Christ is would give and make your mind clear. It will make your mind so clear on the understanding of Christ. It will make your mind, it will make your mind clear and simple. Because if your mind is clear and simple, you would not at any point want to say or want to do things anyhow. So we've said now that no man has seen God at any time, except the bosom of the Father. And we say Christ embodies the fullness of God. So God does not fuck to you outside his person. That is, the full supply of revelation, wisdom, and understanding of the character of God is in his person. So for you to fully understand this character, you have to understand what? His person. You have to. You have to understand the person of Christ. How to understand each person. So I think this will we'll stop today. And I believe this will clear your minds. I believe the first these first six sections we've done should give you an intro into our journey into this series that the character of God will be seen now. In the person of where? The person of Christ. So now, as we approach other studies in the future, I want you to have this as a basics. So when I'm talking about the character of God now, so when I'm teaching and I'm saying, you already know in the character of God, you should refer to what I'm saying in this series. Does it make sense? Because like I always teach you, church is like a Bible school. So we are working in curriculums. So it's just like saying, what they taught you in algebra. You know that's not what they will teach you in masters as a master student. What they taught you in college of algebra in year one, in your freshman year. Hope you know that's not what they will be teaching you in, in the, as a master's student. Because they expect that you would have known college algebra before you to get to this level. Are you seeing it? So I will expect now, in the nearest future, that you have known this <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the journey ahead. They is straight for the journey. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, we, 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 so, once you have seen the Father, you have seen who? Christ. Seen Christ. 
Once you have seen Christ, you have seen who? It's that simple. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we'll stop here and we'll, come, we'll pick it up from here next week. Hallelujah.